Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. This past fall, I was really lucky to be invited to speak at the Massachusetts State Clinic for Health and Physical Education. And while I was out there, I made a quick stopover in Cambridge. While in Cambridge, I sat down with two former professors of mine, Rick Weisbord and Stephanie Jones. I feel so privileged to have spent time and shared ideas with them. We talked for about two hours on theory and methods in education that I think are some of the most valuable and important topics being discussed today. We're happy to have these two as key advisors to the Good Athlete Project, and we're incredibly happy to share some of their ideas on the podcast today. Quick bios, Stephanie Jones earned a PhD at Yale University before moving over to Harvard, where she is now the Gerald Lesser Professor in Early Childhood Development. Rick Weisbord picked up his doctorate from Harvard and is now a senior lecturer on education and the faculty director of the Human Development and Psychology program. That's where I met Rick, actually. He was the mentor, the head of the department that I was in when I was in grad school, and he's just been essential to my understanding within this field. Like I said, I took classes with both of them, found them incredibly rewarding, very grateful to have them as friends of the project, advisors to the project, and on today's podcast. I think it's important to note that you'll hear a fourth voice in today's conversation. That is Henry, Stephanie's son, who is a really talented athlete, as you'll hear about, a wonderful kid, and incredibly insightful. If you want to know more about their work, check out the links in the podcast notes. They'll get you to their bio and also to the Making Caring Common website and the Easel Labs website. If you have any questions on today's podcast or want to learn more, please do reach out. And until then, enjoy this conversation with Rick Weisbord and Stephanie Jones. You know, in the conversation about big public schools, a mm-hmm. lot of people say, well, if teachers had more downtime, more resources, smaller, smaller class sizes, um, if they were in more env- environments that were just more cheerful and cleaner, mm-hmm. where things weren't broken that didn't get fixed. I mean, all these things that are true, sure. those things are in yeah. great shape. Right. Yeah. And and yet the teachers are also are really stressed. And, yeah. And I, you know, I, I get why some of them are. You know, who like who teaching AP courses or whatever. And, sure. And parents breathing down their necks. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure it out in part. Okay. I have a theory. Yeah. Um, well, I think it all comes down to, regardless of place, self-management. So you could, you know, sleep is a really poignant metaphor or example of all of this. We could push the school day back and accommodate adolescent circadian rhythms, and maybe that'd be a good thing to do. Yeah. But it wouldn't necessarily guarantee eight hours of sleep, you know, because if the self-management strategies aren't in place to go to bed early enough to take advantage of it, there's a problem. I think that is happening at the professional level all the time, all the time. And, and I'll, I'll tell you that this is really firsthand. When I was here in grad school, I, kn- I did not, when I started, I would, I would wake up, I would go for a jog, I would drink coffee, I would read books, I would go to class, I would do like, I would and just on it, on it, on it. And my biggest concern was um, not drinking coffee so late in the day that it would keep me up at night. But I started to, at some point, get into, um, a habit of staying up too late because I wanted to do more. Um, I'd close out every, I could tell you which coffee shops are open until 10 and, and, yeah. and whatever. Um, and it started to like, wear on me. And I wasn't, I, and, and I think this is true. I, I exercise less in my time here than most times in my life. And I, f- I didn't recognize it in the moment, but I felt the build up toward the back end, and definitely um, once once I went back home, um, it just makes things harder. And I feel really lucky in so many ways. I think um, sort of my self management, my stress management, have always I've, I feel very lucky to say they've always been on a fairly high level. I think that's um, I have a knack for juggling a lot of balls and moving forward and getting things done, but. There were there have been certain moments in my life where that felt extra, um, and it was then. And I and I actually tell a version of that story all the time because I said I've, I've been to college three times, grad school twice, and I never learned how to sleep. No one ever told me how that might impact the the rest of my the way that I think. I remember, in fact, um, if I had to go back, I don't mean to point you fingers at, at grad school or this place, but. When I was doing my previous degree, you can point them. No, no, not at all. I, and I mean that. I, I, 
because I think about my previous degree, I, I was I would be trying to read poetry, poetry like that's as sort of nuanced as language gets in in a, sleep, a state of sleep deprivation and couldn't figure out why this all wasn't coming together. Like I'm I'm pushing, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the point is to, to bring recognition to this. And for me, recognizing that my physiological state plays such an important role in every part of my day is important. Pulling it back to your question, I think we have a lot of unhealthy people who are working long and hard. And regardless you know, of, of whether the hallways are clean or not, um, it, it really, what is, what is feeling overwhelmed? It's one more, you're juggling one more ball than, than you're capable of. And if you're in a sort of a degraded physiological state, that extra ball is just going to happen faster. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, you know, I, I want to make sure we answer your questions here. So is, are we answering no, I, questions? I like, I like this act of thinking, and I like your question. Um, I, I do, because that's a, I think that's a fair question, because it, it comes back to you. Go ahead. If you have, you have your pyramid here that the, those on the podcast can't see, but they could probably get online and see it. There is kind of funny pyramid that is about the context too, which is that, you know, in any particular context, there's like a hierarchy of needs as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at the bottom are things like a safe, organized, perhaps clean and well-maintained working environment. Mm -hmm. We could just go to OSHA to find out what those requirements are. And and, um, I wouldn't want to say that we couldn't be operating at higher levels of the pyramid if those things aren't in place, because people do it all the time. Like they, they, they spend their time educating young kids their entire careers mm-hmm. in settings that are not optimal. So people really heroically do it. It's infinitely harder, right? And so our expectations in those situations have to be understood or tempered mm-hmm. in light of the context, right? So, but, but our expectations don't shift. Like mm-hmm. we just, we ask the same mm-hmm. of, or we, we resource the same, and then we ask our expectations are the same across all of these different settings. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be high expectations or whatever. I'm saying that we have to think about the settings where people are doing their work, mm-hmm. right? And, and how that influences all the things that you're talking about, but also all the things that we can expect them to effectively do in that setting or expect kids to effectively take up in that setting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really good point. So we need a context pyramid. A context pyramid. I think it will, it'll have to come fine, done. Context pyramid. <laughs> uh, but because I think, but that makes just so much sense. Maybe it does fit into this though. I, yeah. Because really, well, all this is, it's it's in the absence another of another side of the pyramid, right? right? So there are three there are three facets to the pyramid. One might be the individual. The other is the setting. So yeah. Three D. Uh, I've thought. I'm not it's kidding. It's a very complex model. Yes. I've thought. Yes, Henry, it is. Yes. You make butter in your mouth? Quite. What? You make butter in your mouth? No! <laughs> Never do that. The, um, you, you're right, though. So fair. The Nutria example. If you were on the south side of Chicago and a window is broken and there's no heat, priority one is, is warmth, not anything that might be built upon well, it. Well, it just, it just raises... I mean, this is. Uh, I'm just thinking out loud with with with, both, with all three of you. The uh, I get uneasy sometimes about the word stress. There, I I'll, love. I'll tell you why. Yeah, go for it. I like. <laughs> well, this. it's just like it's become this umbrella term for a right. thousand different emotional states. Mm-hmm. And is what's going on in Nutrier among staff the same as what's going on in the South Side of Chicago mm-hmm. among staff? And I think you can say they're both stressed. Mm-hmm. But it's not describing very much. Right. It's, 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 I shouldn't say it's, it's describing something that's important. Right. But there's mm-hmm. so many other. You know, it's, yeah, like yeah, it depends on circumstance, as you're saying. Depends on the circumstance, and the, and the feeling states may be very different right. in a lot of ways. And the kinds of resources and buffers that offset it. And the kind and of resources and buffers that offset it are really different. Yeah. You know, on the south side of Chicago, you may feel a level of helplessness that you really don't feel at Nutria. I mean, the reality at Nutria is it may be that you're stressed because for internal reasons, you don't have to be working that hard. Maybe not. With it, yeah. And, 
you know, I, I don't know, I'm just seeing there are all kinds of differences that may be significant here. Without question, I, it, stress feels like a very entry level term. They're, everyone's stressed. The question is, where do you want to go with that? You're, I, I, that's one of the reasons. Idea. Yeah, where where your work picked up and one of the meetings and why we put that book out to people was um, in part, uh, and why I've referenced your work is um, the the self imposed because it was well because of the sheer brilliance <laughs> the sheer brilliance and then uh, and then also I, I, they, these kids it's sort of a religious experience really <laughs> it, it is. It took me to another place. The, uh, the parents we mean to be on Amazon and books are sold. So I gotta write a book. The, uh, a book. The uh, uh, I, I guess from one perspective, it's like um, if you're in distress, does it matter the source? There's something valid to that. So but I guess, we all I have different. I yeah. A lot of different sources. Steph said a lot of different, a lot of different buffers, resources sure. available for you to deal with stress. Mm -hmm. But I also don't know that stress, stress, I think, is covering a lot of different emotional states You're right. That are subtle, mm -hmm. and I worry about it in that respect. But I think that's totally it's not fair. really like drilling down to what those emotional states are. It is right, and maybe it's maybe stress in quotes is just the red flag. Yeah, and and then um, are you actually is, is there actual physical? Are you afraid of actual physical harm or, or discomfort or distress, or is have you overloaded your plate in pursuit of some high end lofty goal? Or you um, just feel like crap every day, or do you just why? yeah fair? Like maybe you're stressed because you feel depressed every day. Maybe you're stressed right. because you and that makes other engagements right. But I mean, it's a feeling of threat. Maybe it's um, right. Maybe it's stress because you have intrusive thoughts all the time mm -hmm. that you can't control. I don't know. Those are just very different yeah. things. And I, I feel like we are, and maybe you are more in tune with whatever research is coming out on this, but I, I feel like we're just cracking the surface of what, yes. what that means, really. Uh, because you could also make a very, I think, accurate statement that without stress, not the stigmatized version of the term stress, which would you, you, you imagine like anxious feelings and things like that. But stress, without stress, there's no growth. Without stress or challenge, there's no physical, mental, psychological growth. It's an impossibility. Well, stress with yeah. support is activating, right? Yeah. It, right, with support, right. It is absolutely right. understood to be activating toward, toward growth, toward mm -hmm. growth and change or growth and development. It's just, it's just when it goes beyond that, it is chronic, it is repeated, it is mm -hmm. without support. Yeah that it moves into this other territory but it but how you understand it has to be more nuanced i think as you're mm -hmm. saying which is that it is it's tied to all sorts of emotional states and so if you're just focusing on the stress you might be missing the underlying feature that's, that is really important to address that's the point i'm making yeah but but i also think that um i mean one of the things that's good about it is that like doing the things you're describing, you know, meditating, pausing, I mean, whatever the whatever the feeling status is, probably going to be helpful. I mean, right. whatever the underlying feelings, right? Those things probably work for a lot of different feeling states. I think the part that gets really complicated with yeah. stress is that it, there's the kind of unrecognized stress that young people experience. So, young people. Little people, eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds, nine-year-olds, six-year-olds in classrooms mm -hmm. who are the target of low-grade chronic stress in the classroom. They don't know about that. Right. They're not talking about it. And other people aren't always clear about how their actions are creating that in them. Mm -hmm. So, Henry, I'm going to use you as an example. Are you ready? Okay. Imagine Henry as a seven-year-old in the classroom, and Henry is uh, not engaged because the stuff that's going on in the classroom isn't all that engaging. He has to wait around a lot for stuff to happen. He might be in line a lot of the time. There might be a lot of downtime in the classroom that doesn't have a lot of work that is motivating or engaging. Mm -hmm. And a, and a seven-year-old Henry or any seven-year-old like him might 
become distracted and get interested in other things. And then the adult in the classroom is managing those kinds of behaviors, the context of what their academic work is supposed to be. And they're saying, Henry, stop that. Henry, get over here. Mm -hmm. Henry, stand still in line. Henry, his, his name is called out repeatedly over and over and over again in that classroom. And each of those call outs is not a like, hey, I like what you're doing. Right. It's a reprimand mm-hmm. of a type. The child hears it that way because that's the tone of voice. And so that is a stress. That's like every moment is a little stress action mm-hmm. on the part of the kid. The kid is responding to a reprimand each time. And that grows in the kid. Like that sits there and that grows. They're having a cortisol hit every single time that happens. And that's the kind of thing that I think we get really worried about because mm-hmm. that's it's not really recognized as something that is affecting that kid, but it is something that drives into that kid's behavior directly right. that then is responded to in other ways. And it's just not noticed. It's sort of this unnoticed mm-hmm. stress that then results in the kinds of behaviors and responses that we really do worry about, but we don't see the source. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of about realizing where that result is coming from. And then I think from that we need, or people need to give kids those resources and those tools to be able to express how they're feeling. And teachers need to be able to give them that opportunity rather than waiting for it to build up and something to happen. I agree completely. Do you think of teachers who've done that well with you? I don't mean with you, with kids in class generally. I feel like sometimes it, with so many kids having that same kind of experience, I feel like for a lot of teachers, it's a bit overwhelming. I mean, they would love to be able to have a one-on-one interaction Mm -hmm. with each Mm -hmm. student and sort of realize what's going on with them. But there are so many kids, it can, just like the stress builds up inside the kid, it can build up inside the teacher. I agree. That's so insightful. (laughs) Seriously. Well done. Well done. That was beautifully Seriously. that's the thing. I don't think your mom, I, I know your mom is not blaming teachers, but I'm not blaming teachers. I totally get why it happens. Yeah, <laughs> no, you can see right. exactly yeah. why it happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't they, isn't there a term for that even? Kind of the back end of what you're suggesting? First of all, I, that really was insightful. I'm glad we got it on, on the podcast. Um, secondary trauma, isn't that a real thing within teachers? Yes. They sort of feel the stress of their students and, and shoulder it. Yes. To a degree. Uh, I think it's an important thing to consider for sure. Mm-hmm. So what's the remedy? The remedy to... The remedy to this whole... Secondary uh, stress of teachers, I, teachers carrying the stress. All, all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. Is there, There's obviously not a quick hitter. I have, a, I have an idea of what I think... Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'd, I'd love to think out loud with y'all. Let's you know. do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love to do that as well. <laughs> oh, God. Your mom mocks me all the time. Is she mock you? No, it's mostly I mock her. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you do it to her and then she takes it out of it. That's what it is. They all kick the can. Exactly. Right. Um, no, I mean, I think there's a lot of what we're, you know, a lot of the work I've done in school is, is about, and it's about the health of the adults. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't have healthy kids unless you really think about the adult environment. And yeah. Do adults feel well supported? What's the rhythm of their day? Mm-hmm. Are there times in their day for them to regulate and calm down? Do they have strategies? Do they have a repertoire of strategies for dealing with kids? Yeah. They can use flexibly, you know what I mean? Yeah, I also feel like if teachers are more able to um, have a way to cope with that secondary stress, they're able to set more of an example for the kids. Because yeah, if, you have exactly. a, if you have a confident uh, adult who sort of knows what they're doing and is, go- and is helping all the kids in the classroom, or I feel like it sort of sets an example and it sort of makes the kid feel okay. Like, if a parent is really stressed and if a parent is really 
um, worried about something going on with work, then a kid or I have felt sort of like everything in my life is sort of off balance too. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't that kind of come back to what we were saying earlier? Just like a baby mimicking a smile yeah. to a point? I mean, that must be happening nonstop. Right. He's good. He is good. <laughs> No, it's contagious in that way. But there's sure. a stra- I mean, that's not a real story. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what Henry saw you about there. Like, I don't. I don't know where he experienced that for real. So, but he's good at making stuff up. <laughs> Very creative, this guy. <laughs> but you're right. You highlight a uh, a good point, which is that the modeling is happening all the time. Whether it's modeling stress and the stress gets into the environment, or modeling managing stress, and I think adults sometimes feel really worried about showing anybody else that they have to manage it, mm-hmm. right? And making that really explicit. And so I think that some, and you could tell me if this is true or not, Hen, some educators are worried about revealing their vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And, and my sense is that the moment of revealing the vulnerability is the most captivating for kids because it is this like, shared experience like oh wow we suddenly see that we all feel the same way Mm -hmm. sometimes and like you do too and i see you sharing it with me and this is and you telling me how you're going to manage it i i can see myself doing that Mm -hmm. we're like we're in this together and so and that those moments of of vulnerability are very powerful for Mm -hmm. the community and it's but it's hard you know it's not an easy thing to do at all that's what I sort of strive to get from my teachers. I'm sort of like, I want to be able to connect on the same level. Like, teachers don't often or aren't often able to really share their insides with kids, but or they feel like it would be somehow inappropriate, but I feel like the teachers that are open with kids or that sort of are really candid with how they're feeling to kids that really forms the strongest bond it it's this the kid sort of is like oh you're a person too you get yeah. how they, yeah. you get how things feel that's right that's sort of the disruption coming back to the Version earlier model the disruption, yeah. I think it's a practical matter it's super difficult though. yeah like it's scary and, yeah well like you know I mean I, I completely agree with you I mean it's uh, I mean this is stuff that I wrote about in my book, <laughs> but you know, like it's all, all about being a living, breathing, imperfect human being. Right. You yeah. talk about your flaws and your vulnerabilities, but um, think about adults who don't. You know, you still have a class to run, right? You still have a class to run, but also, like, I'm sure you've had, or maybe you haven't, but you know, I've had teachers who shared their experience with me, made in ways that made me really uncomfortable too. Mm-hmm. Like you really yeah. got to know how to do it. Yeah. What's appropriate? What's developmentally yeah. appropriate for a kid? Yeah. Like you don't want. Point. You know, it's like to to just get out there. You want to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to show your vulnerabilities. It's too. People need more guidance than well, that. Well, they need you know? structure, like, support, support, balance. You need yeah. sort of like the hard part is finding where to draw the boundaries. Exactly. So I, I agree with all of you, and, and I've got this um, idea that if like, if there was one skill to give people, couldn't it be just a sense of uh, self-awareness and, and direction? Um, so you could only, if nothing else, measure, uh, does my behavior match my goal? And, and to be in that sort of practical, mindful, practical mindfulness might be the right word for it. it and, and I always think of it as a spectrum. I think it's where you're, one of the things that reminds me of what you're saying. Um, on one end, if there were ignorance on one end of this spectrum, not to not calling ignorance someone in self awareness, in, in terms of just the absence of self awareness, not right. like one is ignorant in, in sort of like a you know, uh, mean way of referring to them, but uh, ignorance and then indulgence uh, being the two ends of that yeah. scale, right? You know, um, where where I, I have found this to be very helpful conceptually just to identify where we are and recognize which in which direction we ought to be aiming um, if that makes sense practical mindfulness is something you should write down and coin okay. copyright trademark trademark and yeah. could that be sort of a um, something you bring context to context whether it's demonstrating vulnerability am I 
Uh, am I unaware of, of how I'm doing that, or am I overindulging and, and sort of oversharing? Yeah. Um, where within that, you'd have you to define to it very, very yeah. concretely, and yeah. I and I identify that's, strategies that go along with that's it. That's what I think so, too. Yeah. But it is a concept that that has a. I mean, I think it's kind of what we've been circling. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. I mean, if you think of a different, I'm serious about this. Just think of a different yeah. environment: the ed school, mm-hmm. and students who share appropriately, and students who don't share appropriately. Right, sure. And I always think in like norm setting: what kind of guidance do I want to give people about sharing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, when do you share personal information? Yeah. <laughs> or vulnerability? I find it very hard. I totally agree with you about being concrete. It's very hard. to to spell out. You know what I mean? And it's different yeah. in different settings, even in a larger be. setting. Yeah. Meaning, when you're vulnerable about what, to who, right? right. Even in the same yeah. school, in the same day. Yeah. 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 R- right. And who's in there? Who yeah. are you with? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's so good. But there's not a lot of, I mean, like if we thought about the kind of, willingness or ability to be vulnerable to share your experience and the knowledge of when to do it with whom and how it's not a practice of that in schools there's not a lot of practice no i mean i don't know that that's a big feature of what kids are sort of taught to practice and do but it is it's a key part to being an effective adult and having relationships in adulthood and it's just not something that we, even in the whole broad swath of SEL, skills and competencies, that idea is not, it's in parts of all of them. But it right. as its own idea is not, I couldn't call it up. I'm not sure what it would be. I think that's totally great and right. Thank you, right. <laughs> I do. I don't think it's in teacher training no. either. I right. Mean, no. People and it's just like fundamental is what Henry's saying it's fundamental to relationship building like you really can't build a deep authentic relationship and you can't at the right moments be able to express some vulnerability but yeah is it almost a, a matter of like sort of tool selection kind of if you in like which if SEL if each individual sort of domain or, or skill was a tool each competency was a tool selecting the skill and then also like how hard to strike and I'm I wonder if this this image will make sense I was I was uh, drinking coffee and writing this morning and looking out on this guy who was laying stone for a, for a ramp and he had to sort of break the stone to fit in certain places and um, when it was the bigger stone, he would he had a sledgehammer and he would set one one slab on top of a brick and whack it and then some of these more the smaller ones, it was the he pulled a hatchet out and I don't know why I was so obsessed with watching him, but he pulled a hatchet out I was like you need chop that thing but he didn't he, he used the back the blunt end of the back side of a hatchet because it was a sort of a slimmer thing but, but that sort of selection process is pro- probably does have to be taught in some way in the greater SEL landscape yeah is that so fair? what tool are you going to use what to tool, drive? And, and, and how hard are you going to swing it right right you know, I, I think and, and, I, and that could because indulgence is a thing too I think right. to be and I'll, I'll say sort of even sport by sport in the work that we do yeah. um, a certain sort of skill let's use empathy maybe mm-hmm. it, it holds a certain weight in, in with certain sports I hope I'm not being too abstract right now and some sports might not be quite as receptive at least in the early goings does that make sense yeah. to just just in the talking about it I think uh, fencing is an empathic sport yeah I do do you fence too mm-hmm. everything empathic in what way uh, well, it's sort of like you're understanding what the other person's going to do yeah. and then finding the right response or tool um, to sort of counter it. It's yeah. sort of like, yeah. 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 And But so sense. another thing is like not only finding the right tools to use, but uh, thinking about when to use them in the classroom. Like when, when are teachers... Not only how much are they or sort of empathizing with kids or not only how much are they opening up, uh, when are they doing it? Like, what's the right time? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and, and it's pitch selection, too. Right? Yeah. I mean, right. like, when is yeah. the curve appropriate? You know, strategically, you'd have to, well, he's anticipating um, a fastball 
outside. And I, I don't know baseball well enough, but it, but it is there is a lot of empathy within that. So I do think that there are alignments between different kinds of tools mm-hmm. and different skills. Like there are tools that you would use to show a skill, you the adult, and there are tools that you might use the same or different to support the growth and those skills among kids you're teaching and you're working with. I also think that there are um, there are sort of meta skills that cross across them, right? So there's like I being, was about to use that word. That's yeah, a great word. the meta. You gotta get to the meta. You gotta get buckets in here. It's a lot to do. Yeah. So, but there, but there are these like uh, sometimes in the lab we call them like pathway skills, or they're 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 being vulnerable. It's mm-hmm. something that captures a lot of other things. It sort of has a lot of components to it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't call it a single thing. I would say it sort of crosses across. It, yeah. it, it demands, I don't tend to use these words, I use other ones, but it demands things like self-awareness plus self-management, right? It's not mm-hmm. its own thing. It sort of draws on them. And if we look at the landscape of skills and competencies in the SEL, character, moral development, sort of all those domains, my hunch is that there's a a bubbling up of a core set that represent aspects of the others, but are really the ones that we want to get everybody Mm. to, adults and kids. We don't really have an agreed upon sense of what they are, Mm -hmm. but our site that you mentioned, the Explore SEL site, is a tool that in its current version, enables users to see the connections between the frameworks they care about Mm -hmm. so that they can be uh, coordinated and transparent in their language and their meaning, what they mean by things. Mm -hmm. But in the backdrop of that site is a whole body of data that allows us to see where things are connected and where things are different. It's almost like there's there's a component to the site that's not public. And for each micro skill for each at the lowest level of our coding there's a dot and you can you can manipulate a threshold of connectivity between the dots based on our coding and when you move that threshold from very loose where nothing is connected Mm -hmm. to a little tighter where it sort of increases the degree of connection that you have to see to show that things are are associated with each other mm-hmm. you see these kind of bubbling up of clusters of skills mm-hmm. and it's almost like a it's almost like a, a meta view of what crosses across specific skills it might represent something more fundamental yeah. like yeah. being vulnerable or or a construct of perseverance self-discipline grit kind of persistence Mm-hmm. That isn't any one of them alone, but right. it's some meta version of them. And and there's something in that that could help us figure out where really are the commonalities in our ways of thinking. And what are the the umbrellas that we're really headed toward mm-hmm. that have these specifics underneath them, but a bigger idea. Do you have a candidate for what the master skills are? Uh, I have some ideas. I do think that there is like a, a core regulatory system. And you, and it, the things that that you might see as examples of that always cluster together. I think there's another that is like a, it's like a motivational, it's like motivational agency self direction kind of system. And then, and those are the two that I feel like when we mess with this threshold, we see all the time. Because the frameworks that are on the site are, uh, they cross developmental periods. It's hard to get a sense of real fundamentals, but there are some that are about self-direction, perseverance, persistence, but they cluster with a whole set of things that are more like employability skills, like planning, organizing, teamwork. They tend to sit with those, even though they're they're also aligned with those regulatory skills. Mm-hmm. So we don't have anything that would represent vulnerability like openness to experience maybe or some some more specific things than self-awareness I would say would capture that idea but I don't think that idea is out there quite Hmm. like what does it mean to be vulnerable with Mm -hmm. another person or with a group of people what do you do what's the skill 
we could probably define it right here. People talk about it. There are lots of people who talk about vulnerable, being vulnerable, what it means. Yeah. It's not in the SEL work, really. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, as a developmentalist, you might have ideas about what those other systems are, too. <laughs> Is that right? What, <laughs> what the other candidate systems are? Um, no, I don't. I don't, I, I'm really honestly, I'm trying to think about whether it's helpful to think of to think about forces yeah. or to disaggregate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> what, what, uh, what, what would the back end be if you were to, would that be for sake of distribution? Would be thinking about them in, in, in categories? Is that to teach them better, to understand them? Yeah. I think I feel like in part, I mean, I feel like getting really precise, specific, close to something that you could see does make it easier to be consistent, predictable, transparent in what you're aiming for mm-hmm. when you're teaching. Mm-hmm. That gets a little mechanical, right? And we know that not all of this is mechanical. This mm-hmm. is about relationships, interactions, feeling states. Yeah. Like it's like that, oh, it's hard to define it right and you wouldn't want to just be in the mechanical you want to figure out what that other part is and sometimes i think that more meta stuff is the other part yeah i don't know though i don't know either it's really exciting to think about yeah i really like that yeah a dynamic bi-directional system from the mechanical to the existential or right something right What's the connective tissue between those pieces? Yeah. I'm also just trying to think about how it relates to the id, the ego, and the mm. superego. Of course. <laughs> totally. And that's what Freud ended up yep. trying to do, right? Is to bundle all these things. Into right. Right. It's not, it's it's not super crazy, right? Those yeah. ideas of the push and pull in yeah. each of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ego is like self-regulation. Mm-hmm. The prefrontal system. cortex. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's more motivational. Mm-hmm. To bring his conscience. It's like the lizard brain. It's the reactive part. It's the yeah. fight or flight plus all the other things. Yeah. Desires. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I really enjoy this. Um, for the people who are listening, who want to know how to, like, like where should they go next? with their own thinking or practice, would you say? What is the, but it is the question, where should they go next in terms of of managing the things that get in the way of them being more emotionally? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm trying to think of who's listening this deep into the podcast when we've been so theoretical. (laughs) This Uh, one in particular. This is a fun one. Uh, so, so what sort of person is this here? Uh, maybe, maybe uh, points toward a body of research, and then, um, and then maybe a skill that you have espoused, like something that you do to um, sort of ground. It, it could be that you gave a good one of just sort of pausing and inserting yeah. and being deliberate about what you'd like to come to mind. Okay, I'll start. So I would point people to a bunch of resources, either, and this is just super, this getting back to mechanical, tactical, practical. Mm -hmm. I would point people to the Making Caring Common website, the Easel Lab website, the places where there are resources that we have both in our together work and separate work have generated to try and communicate with the field and build the field of SEL, moral development, kindness, Goodness. And they just Google either one of those things and it would pop right up, right? Yep. Uh, The Explore SEL site is the mapping of frameworks. So Mm -hmm. if you're grappling with the terminology and you're confused about how to organize your work around specific targets, that might be a support for figuring out how the frameworks connect with each Mm -hmm. other and what your targets might be. We also developed a guide to SEL programs, which is called Navigating SEL from the Inside Out. Mm-hmm. So Google that, and it has a whole lot of programs and sort of deep, probably way too much information about each one. Uh, so those are resources. Yeah, no, I, uh, I really think your resources are much more developed than... I mean, again, I'm struggling a little bit with what the resource is for. So. I'm trying to... That's fair. Getting people uh, I mean, two things. Getting, yeah. Getting I mean, 
pointing to a body of research. I think that probably you, you know, know. So, so the making care and common stuff. It's in, I think this. You know, I think this is true. A lot of your stuff too. I mean, we have not done the level of categorization that, mm -hmm. that Steph is talking about, which I think is, is very helpful for people. Um, this a type, a typology. Our resources are much more about scalable strategies, mm -hmm. slight lift strategies that are scalable, that build empathy and gratitude, improve kids' relationships with adults. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where I would really like us to do more is to give tools to adults help them think about their relationships with kids. Mm -hmm. um, why does this kid respect and trust me? And if not, why not? And if they don't, like, what do I do about it? Yeah. I think, you know, learning just doesn't happen in relationships. Um, can you identify three strengths in every kid in your classroom? And do you have a plan for working with those strengths? Mm -hmm. um, is there somebody you can talk to if a kid irritates you all the time? Yeah. The building you can talk to. Yeah. Um, I mean, sort of that level of concreteness. I feel right. Like we got to be, we got to figure out those kind of. Um, if I'm grieving or if I'm stressed about something going outside, like, uh, what should I share and not share? This is sort of the vulnerability question. Yeah. Right. About that. right. Totally. You know, if I if. If I'm in noticeable ways not available to kids or irritable with kids, should I, t should I tell them what's going on? Hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, I just think these are kind of, you know, and I feel like we haven't done a very good job giving teachers resources, and this stuff happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. Well, it happens to us. You know, yeah. we're teaching in classes, but it's not obviously the same situation. But hmm. that question is arising all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. It, it feels hard to scale those sorts of tools. Is that fair to make them sort of applicable to all or or is that part of the skill of designing these tools? Well, I think, I mean, you know, in my mind, like you can, you can find schools where people are psychological, you know, sort of scattered across the country, mm -hmm. you know, which are really strong adult environments where mm -hmm. people really trust each other and they consult each other. Like if they're feeling... Uh, depressed or if they've gone through a trauma of some kind, they talk to each other about yeah. it. And they talk about what it means for their teaching. But those places just seem rare to me. Right. And so, yeah. how do you reach, you know, it's the, it's the very old question, how do you reach 100,000 schools in the country and at least give people something? Definitely. It's imperfect. And, and there are going to always be schools with bad principles where their relationships aren't great. And you still got to figure out ways to help the teachers in those schools. And the principals. And the principals. I, and I don't know where. It seems like maybe culture sits between those two realms, sort of like the, the grand theoretical um, marrying different domains and, and, um, and the very practical, here's what, you know, here are some strategies. Without school, like the development of a school culture would sort of be the marriage of those two things. Is that fair? Like, here's the th here's what we want um, in a more theoretical sense, and here are the um, here's the practical application of that on a day to day. Uh, I hope I can share a very quick story. We we did um, a survey of administrators at a very high achieving school, and one of the quotes that I took from it has, has sort of changed the way I think about this stuff. And it was. I feel like if, if I'm not stressed out during the school day, I feel guilt. Yeah. I feel, you know, which is a which is a reflection of school climate, um, and and I wonder how, you know, is that person even in a place to use some of the tools um, at his or her disposal? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a whole other thing going on here. This is not like a, a new insight, but it's all, from my point of view, it's like spiraling out of control. The amount of time people are spending working. <laughs> And spending working work. and thinking about work, and yeah. The weekends <laughs> and, the, and the being email accessible and all that stuff. Text. Text. Yeah. You get a text to tell you to look at the email you just got. Right. <laughs> Which happens all the time. Yeah. Could that? <laughs> well, timing. What timing? Okay, so you yeah, asked what are the like the one things that we go back to? The stops. The stop sign. Stop sign. Stop sign. Stop. I yep. do I rely on the stop sign all the time. And even if you don't it. believe the stop sign is going to work, if you keep throwing it into your brain, which you can do, your brain can do that, mm -hmm. it works. It eventually works. Sure. I like that. Does it work, Ken? 
Well, I don't. I usually use it when I have something like a song stuck in my head. Hmm. And that works, but like, yeah, it's um, applicable to other situations, I guess. <laughs> and you probably just get better at pulling it up. I would think. Yeah. Recognizing when you need it and being actually able to yeah. sort of slide. And it works faster and faster the more you practice. Mm-hmm. Like everything. Like everything. Do you have any strategies like that? Sorry, I get distracted by the <laughs> by the text. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, you play you play basketball. You right. You are fit. Is that one of your strategies to sort of? <laughs> to sort of st- That's yeah. The highlight of the, the to center. So right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I, yeah, that's what my story. I mean, I try and stay fit. Yeah. Are those, are those ways that you sort of come back to the, the moment in, in a way to, to ground yourself? I don't, yes. But, um, I feel like it's getting harder to do it as I get older, really? I should get easier. But, but I think it's just life. It's like, yeah. And, and, and maybe it's a little bit of that, age. Uh, Could it be age too, Rick? I wonder if it's age. What do you think? Life sounds like, like <laughs> a nice yeah. Just joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was merciless with me about being a grandfather. Hi, Grandpa. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I know it's too that I'm a grandfather, but I look so young. But anyway. <laughs> Wait, you're a grandfather? Wow. <laughs> exactly. Wow. I love it. Um, so, again, the question of strategies are... Um, like, I guess your own, your own personal strategies. Here's what I imagine a day in your life is like. Managing tons of people and uh, a crazy amount of thoughts, a lab, professional responsibilities. You were so good to us in the program. Seemed like you had a lot of time for everyone. It seemed like, how how do you come back to earth and deal with well, all this, of those? Well, this is like this is part of the, the reason that I was thinking about different kinds of, of stress. I mean, I'm kind of stressed all day. I don't know if you feel stressed all day, but sometimes it's ener- it's it's a mixture of energizing and like I love meeting with students and gratifying and gratifying and, yeah. and also stressful. Yeah. Other days it's kind of just a shitty stress. <laughs> yeah. Where you're just feeling depleted and like it, you're summoning all your strength to try and be focused in a meeting or <laughs> anyway. I mean, so um, I I watch TV. Is the answer your question? Just to sort of unplug. Yeah. I have a drink and I watch TV. <laughs> I do or just like fencing because that's most nights a week which just sort of helps me get my mind off the other stuff that's stressing me out because it's just like physical stuff and it's a whole nother mental yeah. thing mm-hmm. it's like it's a, it's a you're using your mind for a different your, thing yeah. yeah and then the other thing is just yeah. sort of like doing art and drawing and listening to music and it's just sort of doing things that you know you can go back to that um, that just sort of make you feel satisfied at the end. Like, I feel like I feel okay. Everything's fine. I still have this sort of something that you can, something grounding you. It's really interesting. I think another way to sort of distinguish within strategies, should this ever come to fruition, um, you meant yours was a very outcome-based idea, and I think I feel the same way. I feel really guilty when I watch TV because I haven't put anything out into the world. I'd feel much more comfortable having like folded laundry or drawing a paint a picture or something like that, so that I can see what I've done. It does feel different because I've sort of shifted my attention and been in that moment exclusively for as long as it lasted. But so, um, so one thing that's really amazing is you can have a drink mm-hmm. and watch TV and fold laundry at the same time. <laughs> you, you have faith in me to do this? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or one, or you know what, from experience that this, this is a possibility? Yeah. Okay. In fact, huh. I think there was like, how do you relax? Like one of those little, those table tent things at HCSE mm-hmm. one year. Yeah. And they asked faculty to like tell their strategies and mine was... TV, drinking, yeah. And fold laundry. laundry. Really? Yeah. The trifecta. Yeah. Because you get something done. You get to watch TV while you're doing it. And it could be diners, drive-ins, and dives, if that's what you sure wanted to watch. Be, yeah. And you could have a drink at the same time. Is that good? Hmm. 
it, it's not good. It's just TV. It's, it's okay. Although, like, that is sort of the principle of having something just to do with your hands when yeah. you need to sort of relax. Like, yeah. I feel like folding laundry would just be an example of something while your mind is sort of drifting between that and the TV. It sort of it doesn't really leave room to be stressed. Yeah, is that right, the right. adult fidget spinner kind of? Yes. You you, you yes. be sort of is this a familiar thing? Have yeah, fidget the fidget spinner. spinner? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. and in not next year, but the year after, there's going to be a really innovative, better, longer master's program that you can apply to. Yeah. Wow. We there will still it. be there. And we'll still be there. <laughs> 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 People can't see the expressions, but can tell maybe by the intonation. That was quite. Uh, <laughs> really, it was a crescendo there. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be. Uh, well, so here's what I would say. Thank you both for your time. And this is not, I, I, I really, really do mean this. You interact with so many people uh, that it might be hard to recognize the impact that you have on people's lives. But I know that m my life has been changed significantly from being around both of you and learning from you guys. Well, so and well, and I mean it, and, and we're trying to spread it forward. So the ripple effect of your work is um, it's definitely moving through the world. So yeah. Thank you very much. Thank and you yours very too. much. Yeah. Well, thank you. And we're, I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say the same thing as Steph did. It's yeah. really gratifying to see former students do this kind of wonderful work. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and, and just one more thing. Who has yeah. been more influential, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> or, or was it Henry? I feel like Henry is giving me a lot to chew on. <laughs> yes. Some various type of comments. So, Henry, when you are in uh, playing Major League Baseball down the road, uh, we invite you back onto the podcast. Absolutely. Do you accept the invitation? Yeah. Okay. Don't get too big for us, please. And listen, it might be Olympic fencing. I don't even know. Yeah. Could be. Could Very be. Cool. Could be. All right. Well, thank you. Oh. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen, and feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.